Welcome to the 5-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Pre, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mike Salinas. Good afternoon. And today, uh, our interview is with Sarah Slattery. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No problem. Why don't you give us a uh, quick introduction of yourself or, or, you know, go as long as you want. My name is Sarah Slattery. Um, I, I guess I'm most known for um, being a distance runner. I ran, um, I was a 10-time state champ for Arizona and a junior national champ in um, the distance races and um, went on to run at the University of Colorado where I was a four-time NCAA champ. Um, I was a part of two national championship teams and then was also 5k and 10k national champ on the track um and then went on to run professionally for adidas and nike um and later brooks um and uh was the pan-american games champ in 2007 for the 10k i was the runner-up for um the i was the alternate for the olympic team in 2008 for the 5k and um was the um u.s national 8k champ on the roads um and have prs of uh 1508 for 5k and 3157 for 10k wow and now i'm coaching um at a small i have two children um i'm married to steve slattery who is a professional uh, steeplechaser who ran 815 in the steeplechase and um and then my we have two children um my daughter is three years old her name is Callie and my son is five and his name's Stevie um and uh we live in Phoenix Arizona and I'm the um head cross country and assistant track coach for Grand Canyon University in Phoenix the we're a small d1 school here and I'm building the distance program um, here in Phoenix. So we just went to Division One fully last year, and um, and it's fun to build this program in my hometown and um, be on the other side now, uh, coaching instead of as an athlete. So you're uh, you're originally from Phoenix, then? Yes, yes, I grew up in Phoenix. What made you want to uh, to go to Colorado? Um, I guess. The main reason was the program, the the distance program, and the head coach Mark Wetmore. Um, they had had they had had a lot of success. They never won a national championship before I went there, but they had had a lot of distance success. Um, actually, right when I was deciding to go there, they had just come out with the book "Running with the Buffaloes," and I'd heard about it. Um, and um, it's kind of I don't know if you know about the book, but it's it's like a um, similar to like a basketball diary of like day in and day out of what uh, it's like to be a college cross country athlete and a top program. And um, so I'd heard about it and then just the connection with our, our uh, college coach, he was um, someone that made you believe in yourself and your team and, um, and want to attain these things at the highest level. And I felt like he was, the person that could get me to the, to be my best. So, um, yeah, that's why I wanted to go to Colorado and I loved, I also loved 
Um, it's a beautiful place. There's awesome places to train. The trails, the weather is a little cooler. Um, you're up at altitude, which is beneficial for a distance runner in terms of building uh, red blood cells and um, and and can help you in training. But um, it was mostly the program, the coach, and um, the environment that really sold me. Okay. That's cool. So uh, you said that you ran for Adidas, Nike, and Brooks, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, uh, I'm nowhere near the type of runner you are, but I am a runner nonetheless. And I have had um, – I've ran in Nikes and Adidas and Brooks, and it seems for some reason that um, – and New Balance and Asics. But I found that New Balance and Brooks seem to be the best for my feet, maybe best for my stride. Uh, mm-hmm. What what could you say about maybe running in in Adidas and and these different products? Like maybe d- differences that that you've noticed. Um, I think all of them have. When it comes down to it, like every every runner either have like they're prone they pronate, um, run on the outside of their feet or supinate going inside of their feet. Um, or they're in a neutral and most companies have a good shoe for all of those things. Um, mm-hmm. it's just the, the wear. I, I mean, I've worn all of them and found a great shoe in all of those brands. Um, okay. I do think that, um, each, uh, uh, each company kind of has their niche. I think, um, a, you, I don't know. I, I think you can't go wrong with any of them. It just depends on what you're looking for in a shoe. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Sure. So like I'm a neutral, I wear an, like I'm a, I need a neutral cushion shoe. And so with a, with Nike, I wore the Pegasus with Adidas. I wore their Boston. Um, and then with Brooks, I wore their ghost or the, um, uh, I, mostly their ghost. I like the neutral cushion shoe. Okay. <laughs> so running in high school, uh, what you know, what, what was it? Were you like, you know, what this is kind of what I want to do? I want to try out running. You know, like how did that? How did that start for you? Um, you know, I I started out as a swimmer. I swam club for um ten years and was a comp- very competitive swimmer. I started like with the summer rec league and then got to where I was, um, in high school training, um, twice a day, um, and competing at like the junior national close to like the senior national level. And so, um, it was, I was swimming and I ran, a, I'd, I'd done middle school tracking cross country cause some of my friends were doing it while I was still swimming and it had success at that level, but still thought I was a better swimmer. So, um, I did not run cross country my freshman year. I swam. And then, um, I was, I was struggling a little bit with swimming and, um, had, um, decided to run track that year and swim at the same time and actually was second at the state meet and all like the 800 mile and two mile and, our team won the four by eight. And so then I was, and I wasn't really putting a lot of effort into running and Mm. 
so then that next year, that summer, I decided I was going to run cross country that fall instead of swim. And I guess the rest is history. I, I still continue to swim in the off season, but um, running became my focus. And um, I qualified for the high school national championships in cross country that fall. Um, and, um, and then and won my first state title in cross country and went to the national championships and then um, continue, decided to continue running after that and, and really took off on the running side. And so that really, swimming really gave me, I think the endurance and the engine to get there. But, um, and then um, I just found a love for running after that. I really didn't like running until, um, until I, started finding that success a little bit, I guess. <laughs> sure, sure. And it gave me the motivation to want to do it. So I did a little research on you, Sarah, and I obviously you're downplaying yourself because you are big time and you were the, uh, you know, you did win a gold in the 10,000 meter uh, Pan American Games, Rio de Janeiro, big deal. Um, what's interesting is that the year before that, from what I read, is that you did suffer a stress fracture and how did you recover so quickly within the year? I mean, what did you, I mean, you had to be pretty grueling training to get through to that point. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, if you read about most athletes and top level, like distance runners, it's almost a part of the game. Um, injuries are like, it's tough when you're set back with things like that. But um, now, like, I think having that swimming background and having the ability to cross train and do some other things, um, it, you try to find the positive in it. <laughs> and, um, so I trained, I did train really hard. Um, I was in the pool a lot and, um, doing a lot of other cross training as cross training up to two or, um, three hours a day. Um, and then Jeez. transitioning back. Um, I think the cross training is like, once you get to start running, you get to run again. It feels so much easier than when you were doing when you were cross training to keep maintain your fitness. Um, so, I um, I was actually very very fit when I got that stress fracture, and then I was able to run track that season. And yeah, and then I really didn't have a great. Um, so I got that stress fracture in March, and then um, or February. And I was supposed to run the cross country nationals. And so I had to pull out of that. I, I was out for about five weeks. And then um, I was able to race in May pretty well. And then our national, I just didn't have the fitness at nationals to be one of the top level athletes. But I, um, I was lucky enough to where um, I, I missed the spot to make world championships and even Pan Americans. But someone turned the team down and I was given the opportunity to go and I felt I was so lucky and had this gift and and then my fitness really started to come together um now that I after that I had been healthy and so um I think it was a combination of finally having that time and being fit um having that training under my on my legs and then just being so excited to be there um and seeing it as a big opportunity and I seized it and um and yeah and I think that maybe if I wasn't injured I might not have been so excited or like seen it as such a gift to be there so right. um, I think that injury really helped me 
Is there like a uh, like an off season for for cross country running? Uh, so in college, the cross country season, high school and college, the cross country season goes from about October, like September through um, the end of November, and then um, and the professional scene, the cross country um, season was in um, January. Uh, actually, it's like December through um, the end of February, early March. They used the World Cross Country Championships are, um, but they the cross country the professional season for cross country like has been over the last like probably five or six years has really gone down. Um, it's not the popularity is has gone away. It has significantly dropped and. Um, they only have the world cross country championships. I think see what it's like every two years now. It used to be every year. Um, Mm. so, um, they like most of the professionals, top professionals don't run cross country just because the money isn't there and the popularity and most are either on the roads or on the track. Why do you think uh, popularity dropped? Do you think other sports are cannibalizing athletes? Um, I I think it's just the, I think the money just wasn't there anymore. And um, on the world scene, like the contracts for athletes, like um, they weren't putting an emphasis on cross country anymore. So people were gearing up for track or the roads. And there is more bonuses or um, just uh, more significance going in the track and the roads versus cross country. Now, in college, you know, I'm sure that you're you had a pretty strict diet. What would you say? Um, like, what was your diet like in college? Uh, you know, I was um, my first few years like I would say I mean I've always eaten very very healthy like um even like I learned through swimming like you had to fuel your body properly to meet the demands of what you were trying to do um so um but I say like in college um and I don't think that yeah so I I'd say I was I ate healthy probably 90 percent of the time and then um, I still love like a good burger and, um, I, uh, have a huge sweet tooth. So you'll always find <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups in my freezer. And, um, I have a, I'm very weak with ice cream. So those things <laughs> like I always had in a, like found room for, um, in my diet, but, um, 90% of the time I'm trying to fuel properly. So lean meats quality carbohydrates and, um, fruits and vegetables like to, and good fats. So I, I try to eat a pretty balanced diet in general, but, um, I definitely like, um, there's certain things I really like to splurge on. (laughs) Yeah, I think we all do. And it starts, it starts with chalk and it ends with lit. Um, so, uh, were there ever like any moments where, um, you were like, you know what, 
like the diet just isn't working. Not one say it's not working, but you're like, I'm just tired of, of eating the same stuff. Did you ever get to that kind of point? Uh, no, but I found like when I was first in college, I wasn't fueling enough to meet the needs of what I was trying to ask of my body. And so I was getting injured a lot and uh, I needed to, um, I needed to add, you know, add more calories and add quality, like better quality calories when I was eating. Um, so I was not, I was always afraid to eat breakfast, like when before I was going to go run hard and, um, but then I was putting myself in like a calorie deficit for the rest of the, like that morning. And, um, I, I had, I came in, I had, a, I got mono, I got a couple of stress fractures. And so I, the diet became like, I didn't have as many injuries when I started, um, fueling properly and adding a little more calories into my diet and, um, increasing, um, the quality of what I was eating. So, um, and not, and trying to vary my diet more. So getting, um, different fruits and vegetables, different sources of carbohydrates and, um, better sources of protein. Could you give me an example of like the carbs that you take in? Um, so, and this was another thing I, I found out after, like when I was at the end of my college careers that I, I was, I had like a severe, like, um, gluten intolerance. So mm -hmm. that's when I started varying my carbohydrate sources more. I was always like pasta, bread, things like that. And then it was really bothering my stomach. Right. And, and when I changed that out of my diet, um, it really like, I was able to absorb, I was iron deficient also. So it helped get my iron up. Um, so I was eating, I started eating a lot more potatoes, sweet potatoes, rice, um, different grains, um, like quinoa, um, just, uh, and then, um, and then the carbohydrates that you get from, um, fruits and vegetables and those things as well. And not did you, eating. Did you take like any, uh, did you take any like, um, you know, like those carb, like those carb drinks or anything like that? I didn't because I wasn't really, um, the furthest distance I ran in college most often was 5k until my senior year, I did a 10k. So mm -hmm. I didn't really need, um, like we would, I mean, occasionally have Gatorade and those things. Um, and I started drinking more of it when I was doing like the 10k but I wasn't losing fluids other than in training. Um, during, like I didn't need huge amounts of carbohydrate sources when I was, when I was running. Um, so like not where like a half marathon or marathon would need those carbohydrate drinks, um, throughout the run. Is that, is that what you're asking? Yeah. 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 So when, when you're, when you're traveling and you're, you know, you're, you're running in, in these races, you know, how hard is it to, you know, to keep your diet going? Because, you know, sometimes, you know, you go out of town and, you know, everyone goes like, yeah, I'm out of town. And, you know, my diet just kind of hit the hit the fan, you know, like, what did you do to keep your diet like going while you're traveling? Um, so I say it like, I guess, even college and post collegiately, you're on the road a lot. And right. I just you get in kind of a routine and you find the things that work all the time. And 
yeah, we would eat out, but you would, you kind of find the things on the menu that <laughs> aren't going to make you just go, um, that, that can keep you on the right track. But that being said, at the end of the season, we're all in after a good race. Um, we'd always get, I don't know, ice cream or go get a shake <laughs> or a blizzard or something like that. Um, yeah. Cause, um, you need to reward yourself when you, um, when you have good performances and, and I, and you can't like restrict yourself all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, uh, I have a bit of a gluten intolerance too. And, uh, and, you know, like I, I didn't know what it was at first. And then, you know, I was having like stomach issues. And then I, I took red meat out of my diet and I started eating more, more fish and, uh, and chicken and stuff like that. And I noticed a big difference. And when I'd go for a run in the morning, you know, like I wouldn't eat anything. And, you know, I would do like, like a mile and then I'd, I'd start feeling like a little shaky a little bit. So I started, uh, eating like, uh, like oatmeal and, uh, yeah. and a yogurt maybe about an hour before a run and I'd feel like, and, and I, and then I would have like a cutie, like, like a little orange cutie. Yeah. Like right before a run. And then I'd have like that, like that sugar spike and I'd, I'd be like ready to go to town. Yeah. You just needed a little bit more, um, glycogen in your system. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going out there. Like maybe people thought I was suicidal or something. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, a lot of people have issues with running, you know, they say like, uh, you know, like they get shin splints or, you know, they start having knee issues or back issues. And I, I normally tell people that, you know, they have like bad running form more than likely and, and probably like their shoes because some people, you know, they, you know, they pronate and they're wearing, you know, like neutral shoes and they start having issues. Yeah. What, how do you advise people to, um, to work on their running form? Um, so I think the first thing is, yeah, getting yourself in the right shoe, um, so that you don't have those issues and, or don't, if you do are prone to doing those things to stay, um, just to have something that's going to support your foot. But, um, in terms of changing your running form, I think, um, you want to find something that's going to you there you you can work on a series of drills that will keep your help keep you more efficient when you're running so the the biggest thing is you want to be you want to plant um neutral on the like midfoot um a lot of people think you want to be on your toe but the most efficient, even the top sprinters are hitting the mid part of their foot and going up. Um, they're just going a lot faster than we are. And so that that's the most efficient form to get um, the, uh, to get the most force into the ground and to propel you forward. So you're looking for someone that's going to hit neutral and, um, the ball of their foot and push off but also as you come up the leg you um you want to make sure that they're not um they're not their hips aren't dropping and that they're up um and that they're they're also not drop like their legs aren't 
what they're doing with their legs. Is it twisting in or out? And that's going to affect the way that their foot is landing as well. So you kind of look at those things and see how you can tweak those. And you, I have a series of drills that I work with with my athletes to try to get them more efficient with their form and their landing so that um, you can even get like 1% more efficient over a 10K. You're going to drop, you can drop up to 10 seconds to a minute in your time. Really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> That's crazy. Wow. <clears throat> because you're 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 exerting less energy trying as you become more efficient wow yeah i always had a problem with uh well until i worked on it like i would i would like plant heel toe so i was essentially expending you know a ton of energy running and and my hips would as you as you would say they would drop you know and then i started doing the uh you know planting my feet right and i noticed a really really big difference yeah, and you can do some drills that'll help you make you stronger. Like, and you and you want to reinforce the right movements when you're doing the drills, so that because um, you can do the drills incorrectly and then just reinforce poor uh, form and <laughs> and continue on the same path. So you want to make sure you're doing them correctly. They'll get you stronger and then help you when you're in that running form, like to remember how to plant properly um at the uh maybe at the end of the podcast maybe you could uh shoot me like a link for uh you know for this so i can kind of share it on the instagram page uh for people would that be okay yeah that's awesome awesome um so curious outside of the whole physical factor i i don't run i mean i i mean i do run but i wouldn't consider myself ever a runner i run when i have to do just for cardio purposes, just to get my heart rate up when I work out. But like mentally, I, I just can't buy into it. You know, like I, uh, I mean, what do you do mentally to like get yourself through? I mean, you go through these long stretches of six to 12 miles and doing these kind of things. How do you get through that stuff? I mean, cause I can't, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, three miles is uh, is a killer for me and I can't take my mind off of it. It's like boring to me. It is I, I just don't know how to deal with it. So do you have any advice for people like me that are just trying to like, you know, get your cardio in a little bit just to get your heart rate up and how I to fix that? Like, yeah, I think there's like a few things um, now that I'm not competing as an athlete, but I still enjoy running and I still enjoy being fit. Um, I have to have some sort of goal behind it. <laughs> um, otherwise, it's still it's really hard for me to get out the door. So um I think finding some sort of goal that you want to have with your running, um, whether it be like I'm trying to lose weight or I'm trying to run a 20 minute 5k or, um, some, something of that line, like there's a purpose behind your day and what you're trying to do that day. Um, and then also, um, I'm not a bit like for me, it's, it's more of like a, stress relief for me because I get like if I don't have my run during the day um, I get wound up and stressed out and so or I I don't if I don't work out like I just feel I don't feel myself like I feel um, I need that release in order to be calm it like calms me and I can think about things like um, I just have a much clearer mind after I'm done running and so um, 
that's kind of like my, that's my therapy. I don't go to therapy. That's my therapy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think we all have something like that. (laughs) Yeah. So that's another like big thing for me, but I know that like for some people, like just having, and I'm not a big proponent of it because I, it doesn't help. Like I'm not into it unless I'm like on the treadmill, but listening to music or a you know, like having something to listen to can help you get through longer runs. Um, just cause it makes the time go by faster. And I know when I'm cross training or in the gym, like I have to have music or something to get me through it. Cause I, <laughs> but when I'm out on the trails, like it goes by so quickly when I'm out on a run, but other, you know, like for anyone that's just trying to get through a run, like music can be so useful or podcasts or things. You hear that, lady, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, you hear that out there. 57. <laughs> That's right. Sarah Slattery says, if you listen to the 57 podcast, you will last at least one more K if you can listen through it all the way through. And, <laughs> and your uh, and your, your 10K might go down 0.001%. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so do you have any tips on people that are looking to uh, get faster? Um. So I I think it's, just being consistent and being putting in training like if you have a training like one have a training plan and set a goal have a training plan and be consistent in with what, what you're doing because it's just um just putting in the work and um training that over time will get you fat like get you better um in terms of being faster um it depends like, you know you can get more efficient do those drills um and just run more yeah yes do you have any um do you have any advice for people who are you know they they don't run but you know they're you know they're the new year's resolution people and they're you know they're looking for a a new them and they want to start running and they go to dicks and they buy the first pair of uh nike free running shoes uh that they find and uh, they can't run 50 feet. Do you have any, uh, you know, advice for those people? I would say for them to join a group or like, there's a ton of different running groups and training groups out there and just being involved and, and having other people that are in the same spot that they're in um, motivates you. And it, it, you have that, you have those people to train with. It keeps you accountable and um and then you usually have like some sort of coach or someone that helps you along the way and when that's so effective and like just being a part of a team like that or having that group of people to work with um it's just like anything it it it, you're not an individual by yourself and it helps uh it can drive you much much further than if you were trying to do it by yourself Okay. How, how would you say your experiences, you know, obviously you've had a lot of experience as a runner, but how was it, how was that tra- uh, transition to, you know, this anymore, you know, I'm, I'm moving on to the next stage of my life, you know, uh, and you became a, a head coach. Like, how was that transition? Could you, could you explain that? Um, so my, the transition was a little strange cause, uh, I guess like I had my children and I had told myself I was going to come back for the Olympic trials in 2016, um, and run the marathon trials and the track trials. So, um, I had those plans in sight and that, um, that 
the August of 2015, um, the head coach, the head track coach, Tom Flood, um, he called me and said he wanted me to, they had a position open for the dis, like the cross country head coach at GCU. They really wanted me to take, like take over the cross country program. Um, and I had already like, I'd already made these plans to be like run to run professionally again and come back after my kids. And so then I was, I was like, Oh, I have this, but I have this great opportunity. And it was something I just couldn't turn down, um, building a division one program in my hometown. So, um, that first I told Tom like where I was at and he's like, no, you know, we're, um, we're, you know, we don't have a, we're uh, like bare bones, like starting from division two, going over to division one. Um, and my first season, uh, and, and he's like, uh, why don't you continue to run this, um, and achieve those goals that you have set for this year and build the program at the same time? Like I will support you and make sure that you can be there for your kids, but, um, do everything to help build our program. So, my first season I ran, um, with the team on almost everything, but my, like coming in, my PRs were better than any of the men on the team. And so <laughs> I ran almost every day with the guys on the team and they improved, um, significantly that season. And, um, and it also helped me, it made me excited about running. Um, I ended up, uh, I ended up call like, I ran the Olympic or I was getting ready to run the Olympic trials for the marathon and then ended up qualifying for the, um, trials in the, on the track and ended up hitting the Olympic a standard, which I hadn't done in, um, six year, six or seven years before that. So, um, I gained like a ton of fitness and was really enjoying like watching this team grow and helping this team grow. And so I continued doing that for for the year through the next fall. And then, um, now I'm, and then I was just ready to, to coach full time and put all my energy into that. And, and now it's been, it's been really fun. Like I still, I still help them and run with them on easy days, but, um, now, uh, that I, I I was ready to, to hang up the spikes and really see (laughs) them through and um and building the program and putting more time and energy into my kids my personal kids and my kids on the team I feel I call both my kids because I feel like um you almost become a parent as a coach and I have 30 athletes and I have two of my own kids and and 30 kids on the team okay (laughs) what are your um what was your experience like in in Rio de Janeiro like where were you uh like kind of mentally at that, at that time in your life? Um, you know, I was, I hadn't had a great buildup at that point, but, um, I mean, I, on the track that season, just coming off an injury, not having like a great U S nationals an okay one. Um, but that month after the national championships, um, I had, my fitness really started coming together and I was having like some really awesome workouts and I was starting to gain confidence and getting really excited about things. And then 
when I got the opportunity to go, I was super excited. So mentally, like on paper, I didn't look great, but mentally I was like super, um, motivated and excited and, um, just really wanted to, uh, represent my country and run, um, run well and knew I could do well, um, if I just, uh, put myself in the right position and went for it. And so, um, I knew it was going to be hot and it was a little warm and, um, I knew it could like, could be slow at the beginning. So it was super slow through 5k. And then after 5k, I took it and I led the next uh, 12, I ran then led the less next 12 and a half laps by myself, which is really difficult in the 10k. But um, I was confident and excited and, and excited and um, just really, really wanted it. So the heat, uh, the heat didn't bother you at all? Um, I think just having the um, growing up in Phoenix, like the heat doesn't intimidate me. <laughs> um, okay. So I wasn't really training in Phoenix, but um, just having that background, I knew like I could handle it. What about running in the cold? Does the running in the cold bother you? I don't know. Like I, I, well then living in now, like, I don't know, living in Colorado, it never bothered me. Like my first year at Colorado, our national championships for cross country were in Ames, Iowa, and it was 19 below zero. Holy and, smoke. Yeah. And I was coming from Phoenix and everybody has the same condition. So you just like, know. all right, it's going to going to suck a little bit more <laughs> going out there today it's going to be a little bit colder but i'm racing the same i'm on the line with um a hundred other girls that are going to have the same are going to have to deal with the same thing so yeah let's see who's tougher <laughs> so you've already ran through an arctic vortex before the arctic vortex even came <laughs> yeah that was, the, that was probably the toughest conditions i i run in but our team won that Jesus. season and i was um eighth as a freshman at the national championship so we just knew like we were fit and that no matter what the conditions were we were gonna we were gonna perform and um have a great day wow Jesus. wow yeah Do you, uh, what are your plans for the future um my plans are to build a program in Phoenix, a Division One program cross country at Grand Canyon to be at the national level each year. Like, try I, in the next three years, I'd like to um, build a team that goes to the national championships for cross country. So that's a top thirty-two teams in the country. There's over three hundred and thirty cross country programs, so it's like the top ten percent. So it's a tough team. It's a tough championships to make, but um, especially for our program, that would be a huge um, accomplishment. And then I just want to continue to have teams um, qualify year in and year out, but um, just get those get kids that want to build something special in Phoenix, and um, and then. Um, and then, event, and then help kids attain um, the similar success and um, fulfillment that I did in college. Um, 
and that's that's really my goal as a coach is to give that help them um, achieve what they're capable of and um, and help them achieve those things in college. Is head coaching uh, kind of what you thought it would be? Um, you know, it's it, it it is and it isn't. Like I I didn't realize how much you have to juggle as a as a college coach. Um, there, you know, you're you're almost running a small business with travel, recruiting, um, coaching. Um, and then you're almost like a parent or psychologist <laughs> a lot of these athletes <laughs> to try to get them to perform well. Um, but it's very, very fulfilling and, um, I really, really enjoy it. And, and, um, at the end of the day, like I, it's, um, it's so rewarding. What kind of challenges do you have with, uh, with recruiting? Um, you know, we're a small school that a lot of kids don't know who we are. And so it's overcoming that hurdle. We haven't had a lot of, you know, when you're trying to recruit some of the best kids in the country and you don't have, we're not a Stanford or, a um, Michigan or, you know, like a top, um, an Ivy league school or anything like that. You're trying to get them to understand who we are and what we're trying to do. And, um, and t- telling them you're, you're almost, you're selling yourself a little bit and, um, trying to get them to understand about building something special and building a program. So, um, so yeah, that's, I think that's difficult when you're recruiting. Um, but at the same time, we have a lot of great things, um, that other programs don't have. We have wonderful weather from um october to um april we have awesome trails we have um great training facilities um an amazing coach (laughs) yeah (laughs) don't forget that um and and a great team so i think those are the things like when i was getting recruited the main thing that stood out to me was um can I see myself getting better? Like, do I see, like, is this coach invested in me and do I have a team that's going to support me? So those are the things. And then can I get a degree and be happy here as well? Wow. Well, that's awesome. You know, and, and, uh, you know, we really appreciate you coming on the podcast. You had a really interesting story and, uh, and I, you know, I loved it. Agreed. No, Thank you so much for having me. I really, um, I, I was honored to have you uh, ask or have you ask me to be on the podcast, and I really enjoyed getting to know you both. And um, I'm going to keep listening. I'm excited, and and it and it will make you faster if you listen to your podcast because it'll get you through get you through runs. You'll get fitter. <laughs> Hell yeah! Hell yeah! Thank you. I really appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hey, this is uh, this is Mike and um, this is Pre and Mike signing off. Uh, Fifty-seven podcast. <laughs>